Welcome to the Inspired by Adventure Podcast, Season 3, Unique Entrepreneurs. Here is your host, serial entrepreneur, Wayne Brown. Welcome to Inspired by Adventure, Season 3. I'm Wayne Brown, serial entrepreneur and this season's host. We will be exploring the lives of fellow entrepreneurs, how they got started, what motivates them, and share their business experiences. Entrepreneurs are a different breed. We're risk takers. Gut feeling drives a lot of our decisions, and we thrive on change. We have learned what it takes to surmount difficulties and create success against all odds. The fact that we and our companies are still standing is evidence enough that we have a wealth of knowledge to share with all of you. All right. Good afternoon, everyone. So today for our guest entrepreneur, we have Greg Flyter of Risk Smart Advisors. So Risk Smart provides a written information security program or WISP. And basically that brings together all the departments in your organization to, to help safeguard um, the IT infrastructure. And if you have any personal information on customers, it helps with uh, safeguarding that, which I'll certainly let Greg, uh, who's uh, well-versed in this, explain more of that. Greg, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Wayne. It's a pleasure to be here. So um, I always like to start with a little background. So if you can kind of tell us, you know, where you're from, uh, kind of the businesses you've been involved in and, and how you landed in the, in the seat you're in today. Okay, great. Well, thank you very much for having me on your podcast. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, I, I started, I'm originally from Minneapolis, Minnesota. I still reside in Minneapolis. Uh, I have not lived here you know, throughout my entire life. I graduated from the University of Wisconsin-Madison, where I majored in international business, economics, and political science. Uh, from there, um, I, was, I did some jobs, kind of Fortune 500 jobs, get a good training background. I was selling paint coatings for Valspar, my first job out of college. Um, that's the first time I learned that I need to be doing something I'm interested in, <laughs> as opposed to something maybe that I'm not. Um, from there, I, I worked at some data management companies briefly, but invariably um, was drawn to Wall Street and spent the bulk of my career as an institutional equities trader equity salesperson, banker, and derivatives trader. So I was charged with uh, the latter part of my career in Wall Street and building regional trading platforms uh, for some of the banks that I was working for predominantly in Europe, uh, in, in, in Britain. And then uh, that, was, uh, that last firm was acquired in 2013. I had been through three acquisitions in four years. Um, that was enough. Uh, on, on Wall Street, you know, when you mend two together, you, you don't keep everybody. Someone's got to lose out. And I saw the model in, the, in that market changing. Um, from there, I, I worked as an investor relations representative for a real estate investment trust. And that was the second time in my career I realized I need to be doing something I enjoy. Uh, one of the things I always tell people is a bored Greg is a bad Greg. Um, and when I'm bored and, and I'm not uh, challenged, um, that's just not the right fit for me. So I was doing a variety of consulting roles at, at the same time. Uh, and from there came across Risk Smart Advisors. I didn't really know a lot about the information security space at the time. And, and quite frankly, um, really didn't even know about the compliance aspects that went along with information security. But as I began to evaluate the company, I brought it into some previous contacts at Fortune 5 companies that I knew from my previous experience. Wanted to know really what, what RiskSmart had. And, and um, they came back uh, unequivocally and said, you have an absolutely fantastic product. Well, it's one thing to have a fantastic product. Um, we all think we have a fantastic product. 
now we need to find you know what what those uh, product verticals are to uh, to go attack with the product that that we love and, and enjoy. So that's that's my background as it pertains to uh, leading me to Risk Smart Advisors here today in 2021. So, Greg, every company, uh, hopefully, uh, is filling a niche that uh, uh, is not filled by um, uh, anyone else or by uh, a number of competitors where they can be profitable. What niche is it that Risk Smart is filling that uh, your competitors are not? That's a great question. Um, when we look at information security compliance historically, we always think about the, the, the bigger organizations, the big banks, the big healthcare companies, maybe government agencies. And what many people have failed to realize is that all businesses are at risk, specifically small businesses. Um, we found that the average small business that experiences a data breach uh, can lose in excess of $900,000 as a result of that. The niche that we were trying to fill is there was no immediate solution readily available for small businesses to address the information security compliance metrics that are ever growing like a weed in a junkyard. Um, we are seeing further regulation coming over from Europe with GDPR, where we are seeing the California Privacy Act over from the West Coast, and we're really seeing these come across the country and, and, and merge together. What's happening as a result is, is, is the regulatory bodies as well as consumers expect organizations, large and small, to address information security compliance. There just wasn't a feasible solution for small businesses to do so. So we felt the small business or the mid-sized business was, was a perfect market for us, um, but there's obviously a lot of product ver market verticals that go into small business. So we had to dive even deeper um, and, and figure out really where our, our product uniquely fit. And as a result, we are currently working in automotive retail, as well as the independent insurance agent market. So, you know, today, um, you know, there's been a lot of focus on uh, ransomware and ransomware attacks um, yep. for all size businesses. And of course, with all my businesses, I'm, you know, we talk about that every week. How do we, how are we making sure we, we were not down for even a day? Because no matter how small your business is, having uh, your IT infrastructure locked up for any amount of time is, is going to disrupt your, your sales. Mm -hmm. Um, sure. So, so you know that being uh, such a such a uh, a timely um, part of of IT security, how is RiskSmart helping with with um, mitigate uh, ransomware attacks? Well, really, when we're talking about cybersecurity, you really put it into two buckets. Uh, the front bucket would be information security compliance, and that's really where RiskSmart lives. Uh, the latter half would be your patches, your switches, your servers. So we really focus on helping our clients establish and build a written information security program as directed by the Federal Trade Commission and Health and Human Services. And we do that through our own risk portal. All of the products that are in our risk portal are ours and proprietary to us. Um, the idea behind it is, is nobody likes compliance. I don't care what company you're working for. No one likes to talk about it. And certainly no one likes to do it. So we really felt it was incumbent upon us not only to come up with a great solution, but a product that was had great ease of use and efficiency in use. Everybody out there, we all know what cybersecurity is, but not everybody knows how to attain it. So there is a learning edge to it. And as part of that, we felt it was incumbent upon us, as I've stated earlier, to make the product fluid um, and, and easy for small businesses to adopt and begin to building a written information security program. We really didn't feel as though the solution was worthy if it wasn't efficient uh, and, and, and easy to use for our end users. Um, 
So that that really was was a big part for us. But yes, ransomware is happening at a dramatic rate. I can tell you our managed service partners that are out there in the field, um, ransomware is happening at a rate they've never seen before across virtually every industry. Uh, matter of fact, in the automotive retail industry, we uh, it's a new client, but we we there's a, a a dealership that they had an employee came in, clicked on a on a link in an email, um, they were shut down for four days. Uh, there was a ransom note issued of six hundred thousand dollars. They decided not to pay the ransom note, which is 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 smart in many circumstances. Uh, but, but they didn't pay it. But as a result, they had to rebuild their entire computer system, two hundred and fifty eight thousand dollars in computers. Uh, they lost four days of sales and service. This was a dealer that was servicing 200 cars a day. It really, so when you think about it, ransomware, as scary as it is, the downtime, like you were talking about earlier, Wayne, is so important. Uh, and that's really what we preach to our automotive dealer clients as well. Great, great. So, um, you know, as business-oriented uh, people, we're, we're very creative and we come up with a dozen ideas every day um, how we think we can we can um, take our business to the next level. Mm -hmm. So with that in mind, how do you boil those 12 ideas you have every day down to the, the one or two you need to prioritize to, to, to get the best return out of it? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, and I would say admittedly to myself, it's one that, that I struggle with and have to work very hard on. Um, what I do to try to mitigate that is, is it's great to have imagination. It's great to think of things and think outside of the box. But if you start thinking too far outside of the box and too many measures, you inevitably forget what your original mission was. And I always tell people, even when I was consulting, and I tell myself now working at RiskSmart is, is trust yourself, trust the work that you have done. Uh, I did a massive amount of due diligence work, both into the automotive retail space, as well as the independent insurance agent market. Um, and I think I told you on the phone, um, you know, six months ago, the insurance agent market was was moving, but not nearly as 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 aggressively as I uh, had foreseen. Um, and then recently, it's just it's going gangbusters, um, and it's happening because they are small businesses, and small businesses are realizing that everybody, everybody, there is nobody out there that's insulated from a ransomware attack, a cyber attack, a cyber intrusion. There are so many variables that go into it. Um, it's not just about your patches and your switches. Those are great, but it's also about, are my employees trained? Do they understand what a phishing email may or may not look like? I mean, for instance, in the example that I just gave you, had that employee been educated, she more, she, he or she more than likely would not have clicked on, that, on, on the link in that email, causing that dealership to lose in excess of a half million dollars. Um, it's really, it's fundamentals. Uh, we, we practice and we preach fundamentals and the fundamentals of information security start with a written information security program. Really, what is that? What is a written information security program or a WISP? Well, it's really, it's an opportunity for an organization to identify where their own weaknesses may or may not be as it pertains to their information security compliance posture. So we have some methodologies that we use in order to drive vendor response as well as company response on these assessments, but it's absolutely important. I don't care if you own a hair salon, an auto dealership, it really doesn't matter. Consumer private data has value. Where it comes from is inconsequential. Consumer private data has value. So a written information security program and assessing your risk is vital. It's also important to understand what your policies and procedures are. 
Do your employees know what your policies and procedures are? For instance, in automotive retail, they deal with a lot of employee turnover. So it's absolutely crucial that when new employees come in, they get trained and they understand how important this really is. I mean, it's, it's sad to think and it's even scary to think that just haphazardly clicking on one link could cause that much damage. Um, it's also important that employees be trained on information security. I, I present uh, all the time. I'll, I'm heading to the airport here shortly and I'll be presenting tomorrow. <clears throat> I would say this about information security awareness training. One question that seems to be posed all the time is, isn't, isn't information security awareness training, isn't, isn't that a commodity? Um, and my response is always the same. You could consider that, that's fine. And if you want me to go along with that, I, I suppose I can agree, but I guess I would, I would ask to, to think about it in this vein. Water is also a commodity. What happens when you don't drink it? You die. Same thing holds true for information security. <clears throat> so we have developed a product where it's very simple and easy for an organization to adopt and build a written information security program. They don't need to have previous experience in cybersecurity. They don't necessarily need to be an IT professional. That's why the creation of our product in the, in the, the ease of use, which I referred to earlier, is really so vital in our success. Software is like silly putty. Um, you can change it, you can manipulate it, you can make it better, you can build it. Um, we really drive ourselves in, in hearing our clients, what our clients have to say. Uh, we ask the questions. I encourage every entrepreneur, I don't care if you're mowing lawns for a summer or you're running a healthcare company, asking questions is very, very vital. I would also say in, in, in accordance with that, that we don't know everything as entrepreneurs. We have excitement about the product that we're building. We have excitement about the businesses that we're building. But I also think it's very, very crucial to, to bring people on board that can incrementally add to your business. It's not about bodies. It's about bodies who are committed to your cause. And I think that's absolutely vital in building a business. <clears throat> we talked a little bit earlier about, you know, how do you stay on track? Well, you stay on track really by bringing the right people on board. Um, but as an entrepreneur, bringing people on board is only half the battle. It's our job as entrepreneurs to build that same spirit and excitement about our product that new employees have. Uh, and if you can build that excitement and a culture around one mission, uh, it, it, makes, it makes work uh, significantly easier. Certainly, certainly. And I guess one last thing I'd like to mention, Wayne, uh, another part of a written information security program is, is vendor risk management. Every company has vendors. We have private information that's being disseminated all over the place from emails to faxes. Um, there is information all over the place. So it's very, very important for organizations that share this information with third parties that they assess those parties and ostensibly ask them, what are you doing to protect our consumers' data? Uh, many people remember uh, the target breach from 2012. That was a $300 million plus mistake in 24 hours. That breach was caused by going through their HVAC supplier. And a lot of people don't know that. Um, so it, it's vital that you understand what it is that they're doing to protect what you've worked so hard to build. Does that you make know, sense? You, absolutely. And you, you talked about, um, you know, clicking on links and an employee clicking on a link. And, you know, I've been very lucky in, in my current businesses that we have really zero turnover. I mean, it's for several years now, we've not had anybody leave. We've added a few people as, as it's, as it's grown, but even then, um, you know, every week and almost every day, we all get get these uh, 
uh, emails where somebody wants you to click on a link because your UPS package is delayed or, you know, you got $600 million sitting in a, in a Cameroon account they want to give you. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm always so concerned. And so I, I always think, I know last week we sent out an email to everybody making sure they're still aware of, of cyber attacks, but, you know, it, 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 let's send it out again. You know, I'm, I'm, it, it seems like I'd want to do it almost every week if I didn't think people would quit looking at it. But it's mm -hmm. certainly, um, even with staff that's been around, you know, with me for, for 10, 20 years, I, you know, I still want to make sure that it's in front of them, um, you know, every, every uh, couple of weeks or every month, just, just, you know, just to create that, um, that top of mind awareness, because it's, it's just so concerning to, to every business out there. And, and, and you're right, it's great that RiskSmart is bringing a solution to small businesses that, you know, couldn't afford to, to deal with, you know, the, the, the huge um, suppliers for, uh, for uh, Walmarts and JP Morgans and, and, mm -hmm. and those companies. Right. Right. But that, that said, you know, technology has always um, changed rapidly and feels like it changes quicker every day. Um, mm -hmm. So how is RiskSmart keeping up with those changes to, to, to ensure that the companies that are using RiskSmart are, 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 are um, not having the breaches that um, are possible? That's a great question. Um, the first and foremost, I would say that that pragmatism in day to day and trusting your work, as I said earlier, is, is imperative. And that applies to the answer of my question. Um, your plan's always going to require adjustment. It's always going to require adjustment. But, but chasing a dream and building one are two different narratives. And I want to say that again. Chasing a dream and building one are two different narratives. Anyone can chase it. Not everyone can build it. So as it pertains to keeping up with the Joneses, so to speak, or other people in our space, really, our space is very unique. We have a lot of organizations that source other partners and come to, to our, our, our clients or, or, or other prospective clients with a holistic solution. Well, really, all they've done is aggregate three or four different parties, put it together and slap a name on it. And certainly, there may be some value in that. But I believe that in order to create the efficiency that I keep talking about, and the usability for our clients, it's imperative that we have our products ourselves, that we manage those products ourselves. Because with the ever-changing compliance landscape, rules are changing, expectations are changing. What can you do in order to keep people willing to address compliance going forward? Um, information security compliance, I, I wanna stress, is it's not a cost to your business. Information security compliance is an investment in your business. We talk with insurance agents all the time, car dealers all the time. We have some people in, in money management and, and, and other places. Um, and really they're all saying the same thing. Um, they know they have to get started. They really just don't know where. Um, people have, we've talked about cybersecurity for many years, but with the recent ransomware attacks, um, the political headlines and so forth that are associated with that, I think it's raising a lot of awareness. Um, but I would also say it's one thing to be aware, it's another thing to get started. Um, so to answer your question about com competing from a technological standpoint, I view technology um, as, as really ease of use for us because we're working in a, in a vertical or a topic point that isn't the most popular to all. So making it easy and understandable is actually paramount for us. That coupled with the fact that um, most of the products that, that we have or all the products we have can help you build a written information security program. But then we're also aware that we need to have certain partners in place as well. So we have worked very hard in building out our partner network, which is another great avenue to build incremental revenue opportunities and maybe even explore some verticals that you didn't even think of yet. 
You, you know, that's a good point you make about uh, it being um, really insurance. Um, you know, we, we buy insurance for, for uh, buildings and vehicles. Um, this is really like similar to buying insurance for your IT infrastructure. So that's a, that's a great way, I think, to, uh, to frame it. And again, it's hopefully insurance that you never um, have, to, have to use, but um, you got to have it in place just in case uh, 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 you do have um, issues. But I, I like how you frame that where it's, um, you know, you're ensuring that your IT network is, is as secure as, as possible today. Right. And one of the things that we saw in the insurance space um, when, when cybersecurity policies were coming out, there really were two schools of thought by insurance companies. One was just go grab the premium. I just want the premium. Other organizations were more pragmatic about it and took their time. And we're seeing that the pragmatism is winning out in that case. Um, there are a lot of insurance companies that lost a tremendous amount of money because they were underwriting cyber policies, policies with just company name, address, and annual revenues. Uh, you can't possibly ascertain what kind of risks you could be encountering with those metrics. That's why cybersecurity policies now, if, if, if anyone here on this podcast is looking for one, you, you'll probably find that they can be arduous and, and, and painstaking to, to fill out. Um, but there is a reason for that. And, and, but I hold true the same way. We're not, we're not you know, I, I hear and I'm approached by partners all the time um, that hear about contracts we've signed or, or a news bulletin that we put out a press release. Um, there's a lot of partners that, that can present and talk very, very well. Um, but it's absolutely imperative, as I've said before, if that partner is not in the same mission that you are, probably not a very good partner. That's, that's, um, that's a great point. Um, it's, uh, uh, and, and to your point about the, uh, the, the target um, attack from third party, you know, mm -hmm. it, you're right. It, everybody needs to be aware of this, not just from within your organization, but all the vendors that you might deal with on a daily basis or might have access to, uh, to your infrastructure for, for various reasons or transmitting information back and forth. Um, yeah, that's uh, absolutely um, a, a part that everybody needs to, to, to review and look at and see who's got access and, and uh, help mitigate the, uh, the potential that the threat comes through them um, ac you know, accidentally, which is how most of it starts. Right, right, exactly right. So um, have you found that there's certain small business sectors that are more susceptible that need this, this risk smart uh, compliance? Well, we could look at basic variables. We could look at you know, the nature of their business and so forth. But really to answer your question directly, nobody is safe. Everybody is a target. There is nobody that's insulated out there. So, you know, obviously people that deal more in consumer private data, like an automotive dealership, certainly may face more scrutiny, but we just had a meatpacking company that was hacked uh, a, a couple of days ago. Um, I don't believe they're holding a lot of consumer private data at that meatpacking company. Um, so it more or less puts that theory out the door, doesn't it? I mean, it, it's uh, anyone that wants to you know, access to information personal client, customer, private information is, has value. Where it comes from doesn't matter. Um, I, I really see a, a change in the marketplace as well, Wayne. I, I see consumers are more aware. Um, we have a, a client of the Certified Financial Analyst Society, which is ostensibly if you wanted to work in equities or, or have a, more, uh, a bigger background in, in finance, you would go to get that accreditation. And they conduct a survey every year. Uh, of institutional and retail investors asking them, what is it that you want in a money manager? And, and I think everybody on this podcast would say, well, it's performance and fees. You know, you're going to grow my money and what are you going to charge me to do it? But the one thing 
um, that is, has come to fruition since 2017. The second most important thing for institutional and retail investors now is what are you doing to protect my data? I bring this up because the consumer is changing, whether they're buying cars, insurance, it doesn't matter. The millennial generation is keenly aware about information security, and it's very, very important to them. So, you know, when, if I was selling a car to my dad, who's 81 years old, God bless him, he wouldn't ask me anything about information security, could really care less. I, if I were to do the same thing with someone who was 20 years old, I would bet a lot of money on it that they would ask and pose those questions. Sure. Sure. And so one example that 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 uh, actually a, 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 someone from the Minnesota Department of Commerce told me about information security, and I think it's, it's a simple example to consider. If somebody walked into your business, regardless of what business you have, and let's say for some reason it required them to pull out their wallet and hand you your, their, their license. Um, <clears throat> the client leaves or prospective client leaves and you suddenly realize that they left that wallet on your desk. What would you do with it? I'm willing to bet that virtually everybody on this call would grab the wallet, probably put it into a secure area, and then contact the prospective client or client to let them know that we have your wallet here. It's the same thing with digital security. It's exactly the same thing. You wouldn't leave the wallet sitting there on the desk. You wouldn't leave it sitting on the floor. Digital security is the same thing. You wouldn't leave... <clears throat> information just readily available for anyone to view at any one moment in time because information is is, is vital and, and it's confidential um, and the confidentiality of it is is not only being pushed by the consumer it's being pushed by the regulators uh, and it's being pushed um, by larger organizations upon their smaller vendors so we're going to continue to see this waterfall effect of expectation um, from consumers and and large institutions as well water falling down to, to smaller organizations that you have to address information security and you have to start by building a written information security program and addressing the compliance metrics that you need to address. So Greg, you know, every business, um, you know, goes through cycles. We got great cycles where sales are doing great. We have right. lulls where, you know, we're having to, to, to work a little bit harder and, and uh, push a little bit further. So during those, those uh, tougher times, um, what what inspires you to to keep your head up and and move forward? Well, I think it's it, they're life lessons. I mean, a lot of life lessons can be brought into business. You're going to have good days and you're going to have bad days. Um, there are days you're going to think you've got it totally figured out and you're the smartest person on the planet. And then there may be other days you kind of like I don't even I don't even know what it is we do. I guess what I would tell everyone on here is that's natural. I think you would agree as well. Um, there are days that we question it, and and I and I think maintaining a level head is is very vital. Um, getting involved, getting emotional on day-to-day -day aspects of your business is time-consuming and it's exhausting. Uh, so I, I really, is, it, you know, for me, with the good days, I always remind myself that there's challenging days ahead. And when I have a challenging day, I always remind myself that there are good days ahead. Um, and it, it's really imperative upon us as entrepreneurs to not let the bad days drag us down because they are going to happen. We don't have time for that. As entrepreneurs, we need to get out in front of our customer base or potential customer base as soon as possible. So um, being a level-headed level is, is very, very important. Um, and, and I think that's true really for an entire organization. Um, if you have one part of your business that's overreacting in one area and another one that isn't reacting to anything, you're gonna build you know, a bigger schism in your business than you originally planned. So that one team, one mission is vital. As I said earlier, chasing a dream is one thing, 
building it is something entirely different. So maintaining a level head and understanding that there's good days and there's bad days, it's just part of business. <clears throat> it's just the way that it is. It's part of being an entrepreneur. Um, as I told somebody, I said, I can promise you this, when being an entrepreneur, you're not going to be as good looking as you were when you decided to become one. <laughs> you know, I, I've always, I've always thought uh, on those days when, when things seem to be a little bit uh, uh, tougher that, um, I, you know, I keep myself motivated, motivated by saying, you know, I know there's four or five things I, uh, that's going to help this business. I just haven't, hadn't thought about them yet today. Right. So, exactly. You know, right. Just put your head down and, and, you know, get back to, uh, to the basics and, and it always seems to work out. Yeah, as an entrepreneur, you know, as well as anybody, Wayne, it's easy to be very reactionary. And if you're just reactionary to everything, you're not moving forward. You're reacting to something else. So as I said earlier, trust your path, trust your research, trust your questions, trust your instincts. Instincts are built with work. Um, trust them. Um, but also don't be afraid to adjust them when needed. Um, you're, as we've talked about, good days and bad days are, are all a part of, of, of business and, and certainly entrepreneurship as well. You know, with uh, with the amount of of uh, information that's out there today, um, are there or has there been uh, websites or maybe early in your career books or um, uh, periodicals that you uh, would go to to help um, get um, uh, ideas and motivation for for um, for the current work you were doing? Yeah, you know, I I, I when I when I. When I was thinking about um, about this, I, 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 I'm, a, I'm a Tom Clancy and John Grisham fan. So my reading really is about escaping and getting away from the day-to-day -day ruckers of life. But I will say, for me, <clears throat> experience and, and listening and asking questions. Um, my biggest inspiration happens to be my father. <clears throat> He's 81 years old. Uh, he took a marketing company from 50 million to over a billion dollars. Um, unfortunately he didn't own it, <laughs> but he did. Uh, so when I saw, as I grew up and I saw the way that he interacted, not only with his team members and his employees, um, there's a couple things that I took away from that. Number one is he treated everyone from the janitor all the way to his chief operating officer, exactly the same way. Uh, I think that's, that's absolutely huge. Uh, people ask me and, and they, we joke about it at RiskSmart that I'm in charge of human resources. Uh, and I say that, you know, our company policy is do your job and act accordingly. Um, and, but there's a message behind that in the simplistic nature. We're, we're expecting people to be excited about what we do. And my dad really did the same thing, building excitement about what you're doing and building a team that has the same excitement that you have. It sounds easy to create. It's very hard and it's very time consuming, but it's absolutely well worth it. So I really learned a, a lot from him in, in that perspective. Um, it's, it's, uh, you know, one of the things that, 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 that he taught me is with good days and bad days, um, life is not linear. We'd love it to be linear. Wouldn't it be great if it was linear? Um, but it's not. So you're going to have ups and downs, uh, trust yourself, trust your instincts. And that's something that my, my dad taught me. Um, and, and, and treating everybody exactly the same way. Um, like I said, from someone that's cleaning out your office to someone who runs it, um, it just builds morale. It builds inertia behind your product, behind your company, behind you. Um, so I, that's really what I've learned from him and, and I continue to practice it. And I'm not saying that I'm perfect all the time, um, but I, I practice it and I practice it very, very hard. 
um, because it, it's like you said, with the ever-changing technology landscape and regulations coming out, we have stressful days. We just have stressful days, but we need to keep our eye uh, on what our missions are. And my dad taught me that as well. Um, you can, you can, uh, you can build what you think is, is a phenomenal plan and you can certainly build it and execute it. Um, but be flexible, be mindful, uh, make sure everybody knows what that plan is. Make sure everybody knows what the goal is. Um, I, I, one of the things that I did when I was on wall street is, is we obviously raised money for a lot of companies, both public and private. And I can tell you that the smaller companies that, 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 that we did banking deals with, invariably most of the companies that failed were companies that tried to be everything to everybody all at once. You know, so-and-so over here has a blue light. We got to get a blue light. This guy over here has a red light. We got to get a red light. Stay in your path, stay in your lane, ski behind the ski boat. Don't go out in the wake. Don't go on the outside of the wake. There's buoys and boats out there and white caps and waves and a lot of uncertainty. Stay behind the wake, understand what your mission is. It's okay to get outside the wake to explore, but it's in my opinion, to go outside the wake, just to go outside the wake, that can be time consuming and very expensive. You know, um, uh, several of my businesses, people ask me, um, um, about staying ahead of my competition, you know, being the leader in, in, uh, in the niche I'm in and um, how much time we spend looking at my competitors. And they're always surprised when I answer them that I never look at my competitors because then all I'm doing is trying to match what they're doing. You, right. you, you get, you fall into a trap of saying, oh, they're doing this or I'm going to do it, do it. Like you said, with the red line, the blue light. And so nobody in my company, we never look at any of the competitors. We, we keep our head focused on what we know um, is our road. And we, and we try to, to improve on that every day. And, and, and it's, you know, proven effective to, to stay ahead of our, our competition. Let them be the ones that try to try to mimic um, what we're doing. Exactly right. Exactly right. And you know, certainly it's, in our space, as I uh, indicated earlier, we have a lot of people that, um, you know, are just throwing together different products and services. And now I've got this holistic solution. Frankly, you know, they're good people, but they're probably not competitors of ours because they can't react the way that I can react, uh, the way that my organization can react. Um, and, and that path uh, has worked well for us to the point where we're now working with some very large international organizations, um, which we couldn't say uh, eight months ago. Nice. So, you know, it sounds like your, your father was, um, uh, um, you know, a great role model for you and created a, a great foundation for you to, to, uh, to launch from. Have there been other mentors that you've worked with uh, or used as sounding boards throughout your career? Yes. Uh, when I was selling packaging coatings for Valspar, I was living in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and there was a gentleman there by the name of John Ballback. Um, I should have looked him up on LinkedIn uh, earlier. I don't know where he is now. Um, but he was he ran the packaging coatings division, uh, later became the CEO of Valspar and then left. And I believe he was with a pharmaceutical supply company in Philadelphia. But to answer your question, um, I was I was very impressionable when I came into business. I, I, I was like a sponge. I just wanted to soak up anything I could get my hands on. And, and he um, was not my direct boss, but he was ultimately my boss. And, and I asked him a lot of questions. I paid very close attention to how he articulated material to his employees, how he articulated material to salespeople, operations. Uh, and the, the one unique thing that I found with, with John was he was the same with everybody, which really parallels exactly what I was saying about my father. Um, everybody was treated with respect. Everybody knew what the mission was. Um, and, and I think it's also, I, what I also learned from, from him is okay to have some lightheartedness in the office as well. 
Um, you know, historically, you see a sea of cubes and everyone's just sitting in their cubes and staring at their, at their computer screens. I believe in interaction. I believe in interaction among, amongst employees. I can't stand cubes. I think they're absolutely awful. Um, we're actually right now uh, looking in to see what we're going to do with a new office. And, and I'm going to employ the same things I learned when I was on the trading desk. I mean, when everybody's in the same room and we're all interacting, um, it, it's unbelievably beneficial. And, and I see what I saw in my former life and what I can see now is that interaction and, and that collaboration amongst people. Um, it, it not only does it help your business, but it makes people, they feel involved. They feel like they're a part of it. I, I, I have just seen too many people give some, you know, give someone a job and kind of throw them in a corner. Um, as entrepreneurs, if we give someone a job, that's our job too, um, whether we like it or not. Um, most recently, I just hired a chief operations officer. Uh, he's drinking from a fire hose right now, but I absolutely have to stand with him and make sure that he understands it. Um, so that's another thing I, I learned, uh, not only from John Ballback, but in, in institutional equity sales, uh, collaboration and understanding what that mission is, 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 is unbelievably vital. And, you know, my goal with, with this company as we continue to grow is I don't want to lose sight of who we are. Um, I don't want to lose sight of the culture that we're, that we are building, attempting to build and building. Um, and I think that's another good segue point when you're talking about competition, you know, you hear a lot about what other companies do, um, you know, so-and-so they have, you know, trips to Hawaii every year for their top 10 salespeople, or they have this, they have that. That may not fit your business. They may not even fit with your culture. Be true to who you are. Um, you don't have to be the guy across the street. You don't have to be the woman down the street. Uh, be true to who you are. And as I talked about earlier, people spend a lot of time and money and research and effort trying to devise the, their product and devise their plan and, and how they're going to bring it to market. Um, so yeah, just, just trust it. Trust it is all I have to say. So, uh, Greg, I'll wrap it up with one final question. If you have any advice or insight you'd like to give, um, you know, the, the, the young aspiring, um, entrepreneurs that are looking to break into the business world today. Be patient, be patient, be patient, be patient, especially with people that are just coming into the business world today. That generation wants things like this. That doesn't work in business. Um, it certainly uh, doesn't work when, you, when you're lowest on the totem pole in business. Be patient, understand your role, understand um, you know, what, what that, that building a business, as I said, is one thing, chasing it is another, but ask questions. The biggest problem I see with entrepreneurs, is they never ask questions. They think I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna build blue lights and I'm gonna have the best blue lights available. But they don't ask questions, well, you know what? You may find out one day that actually teal lights sell a lot better than blue. Um, ask the questions. Ask the people that have been there. I always tell, tell my counterparts and, and I tell other people, I like to ask questions of people that have battle scars. Battle scars tell me that they've experienced something and they understand something that I don't. And that is one of the best ways to learn going forward. Find people that have been through the battle that you are about to embark on. Ask them the questions. Ask them what worked for them. For me, patience is, is, is vital. And I'm not talking about patience as in I've got things to do and I'm not going to do them today. I'm talking about patience. And you know what? Today, I don't have to make that decision today. I could make that decision in a couple of weeks from now. Um, it, it's, it, it's so important that, that entrepreneurs with the patience and asking questions that they also understand that that doesn't mean they've got the answer to everything. As I said earlier, 
Building a business is not a linear line. I wish it was. It would be fantastic if it was. And I'm sure, Wayne, with your business experience, you could, you could talk about many ups and downs that you've had uh, in, in, in your life. And, and certainly being an entrepreneur is no different. But I will also say this, that there is nothing better than creating something, building it, and beginning to see it work. That is, is really the price. And, and being an entrepreneur, it's not about the money. It has to be about your product and what you're doing. And it has to be about really the prize. The prize is I've taken something that was in here, I've put it out into the market, and people agree with me and they're buying it. Um, that's, that's the greatest feeling as, as an entrepreneur, for sure. Well, that's, that's a, great, a great way to end um, our time today. So everybody, you've been listening to uh, Greg Flatter with Risk Smart. Greg, thank you again uh, so much for taking your time today. Thank you, Wayne. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Okay. Thanks for tuning into the Inspired by Adventure podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you haven't already, please subscribe through iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you next time.